Seventh-day Adventist Church. Um, how was your Thanksgiving? Good? Yeah. Did you have a good meal, good time? Family? Probably family. During the coronavirus, we kind of missed it uh, last year, a lot of get, getting together. Uh, but it's, I can see more and more people getting together, even though we're, we still have COVID. Thanksgiving is, uh, it's the last Thursday of November, right? We celebrate. And what is happening on, on the next day after Thanksgiving, on Friday? Anybody knows? Black Friday? Why is it black, called black? <laughs> well, um, a lot of people go to the stores because there are some um, good discounts. And one time in my life, I went to the store on Friday and I decided I will never do it again. <laughs> so many people, so, and everybody just wants to buy something. Anyway, <clears throat> I think that instead of calling Black Friday, Black Friday, and, and going to the store and spending money, we should call the day after Thanksgiving the, the day of the leftovers. Because a lot of people, let's face it, you know, we have too much on, on the table. And when, <clears throat> when the next day, you're not going to cook something new, fresh, if you have something left from, from um, Thanksgiving, right? Actually, uh, Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday because it's, a, it's all about family. It's spending time together, thanking God, and, and we had a, more than 12 people at our table, and at a certain time we said, uh, uh, now everybody is going to say something what he or she is thankful for. And it was wonderful to hear that family is so thankful to have family, that family is so, so important to everybody who was there. And uh, spouses, we thanked our spouses for, um, you know, still uh, loving us and, and for, forgiving us for whatever we are doing not right. So Thanksgiving is an excited holiday to me. You don't, you don't need to go and buy presents. You don't need to do something about gifts because uh, we already received more than we need. And we just need to acknowledge that we are so thankful. So there is a passage in the scripture ab about leftovers, actually. We don't realize that it's not only about feeding people with food. But it's a little bit more to this story. If there is something in the Bible that you can find in all four Gospels, why is it important or not? I, I believe that when you find something, a story in all four Gospels, it is because it's so important. It was important to every evangelist, uh, Gospel writer, that they put this story about feeding 5,000 people in every gospel. How many stories you know in the Bible that are in all four gospels? 
genealogy is not in all four Gospels. Jesus started preaching in Galilee. It's in all four Gospels. Entry of Jesus just one week before he, he was crucified. The entry to Jerusalem, it's in all four Gospels. The death of Christ on the cross and sentencing Pilate sentencing Jesus to die in all four Gospels. So just if you would calculate all of those stories, you probably will find not more than 10 stories in all four Gospels. 4,000 people he fed a little bit later. We see it in John chapter 8. Is it in all four Gospels? No, it's not. So there is something that is happening that every Gospel writer feels like, I have to put it into the Bible. It has to be in my uh, Gospel as well. So um, John chapter 6, if we go to John chapter 6 and verse 5, we see, first of all, that Jesus is surrounded by people, by the crowds. And, and later on in the, in the story, we find out that they, they calculated how many men were there. Why, why men? Why, why they didn't count girls or mothers or sisters who were there? We know that they were there, but they didn't count them. Any, any clue? Any idea? Yeah, it was a crowd. Of, of course, there were there were, you know, women there and and and, and girls and you know, and boys, little boys. Uh, I mean, there were children. So <coughs> maybe maybe you would think, well, at, at those days, we, women were not respected, uh, and so. They didn't count because they didn't respect them. But on the, on the other hand, I'm thinking a little bit differently. Why do you need to count men? Because men are soldiers. If there is an attack right now on this city, you need to know how many people can carry the weapon and maybe defend the city, right? So for this reason, I'm thinking, yeah, you need to know exactly how many men are at certain point of time. So we see Jesus surrounded by so many people and if we calculate, if we calculate how many people were there, if you calculate 5,000 men and those men have maybe wives, maybe sisters, maybe mothers and, and, and the children were there. So somebody said even if you are not going to be um, it, just just on average, how many people could have been there? And some people say more than twenty thousand people, more than twenty thousand people. So Jesus is healing people. How many people he healed? We don't know the number, but if you have five thousand men plus women and children. Many of those people probably were looking for miracles. They wanted to see Jesus healing. If you would be sick, would you be also looking for Jesus? You would be in, the, in those uh, crowds. 
If you cannot walk, would you find somebody who can carry you to Jesus? Of course you would. If you hear those incredible, miraculous stories about Jesus, people were looking for Jesus everywhere. And when they would find, a crowd of people starts growing and growing and growing. And I believe that Jesus probably healed more than a thousand people easily. Could he do that? Just by word. He doesn't have to, to sit down like a doctor, or let me see, let me see what will, you know, or show me your tests, you know, what, what do you, no, Jesus didn't have to do that. Somebody just touched the, the garments of, of Jesus and got healing. So now we see, verse 5, when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Why Philip? Why is he asking this question from Philip? I would think that it would have been better to ask it from, from Judas. Because Judas was the one who was carrying the box uh, with, with money. Remember that? So why is he not talking to Judas directly? Well, he was talking to all of the disciples, but he didn't want to point to put finger on Judas to make him uncomfortable, right? He didn't have to do that. He asked Philip. Now, verse 6, he asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. And Philip answered him, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite, just to, to have a bite. Another of his disciples comes with a solution. Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is the boy with five barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? I'm, I'm really surprised at this point because there were children there. There were mothers, fathers. They <clears throat> went to look for Jesus. Sometimes it takes hours to find Jesus. So they left early in the morning. And only one boy, little boy, took a sandwich with him. How, how is it possible? All of these people, they didn't think about what I'm thinking, maybe a lot of them wanted to just to see the miracle and go home. They were not there to study, to, to have a long Bible study, uh, to, to listen to Jesus. They only wanted the healing and go home. That's why a lot of them didn't, they were not prepared to stay longer. But Jesus attracts crowds. Wherever he is, people are. They're following, following him. And Mark 6, verse 10 says, Jesus said, have the people sit down. Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. Look at ads. So every gospel adds a little bit more to this story. Why would you think Jesus asked them to sit down 
in the number of like 50. Any thoughts? Better organized? Isn't it true that uh, Jesus wants the community to work, that people will know each other? Like in those groups, probably there were some discussions, like how are you doing and how how the things going? And, you know, if you have in church 50 people, how well can, can you get to know people, 50 people, instead of 6,000, 5,000 people. Like when you go to Loma Linda University and you just sit down there and, and then you go next week and you will sit down maybe in the same spot, but the, but the people will be different. I mean, you, you will probably not see again a lot of people that you saw on the Sabbath before. It's hard to memorize 5,000 faces or more. It's much easier when it's 50. That's why Ellen White was uh, uh, writing to the churches that we should not have mega churches. We should have smaller churches where we, we can care for one another. We can get to know one another better. And, of course, our organization. Jesus want, wanted us to be organized. You know, 50, you can see that everybody's fed. You can make sure that, you know, this group is, is doing well. And Mark 6, 10, uh, we continue. There were plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down about 5,000 men, and Matthew adds the number of those uh, who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. <clears throat> and Jesus took the loaves. That's, that's an interesting thing. When you think about it, it reminds me so much about the Last Supper, right? Because Jesus did very similar thing. Jesus took the bread at the Last Supper. He broke it, and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Here is uh, Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And John also uh, says, so also the fish as much as they wanted. So it was not just one bite. It was plenty of food. It was more than they needed. Everybody ate as much as they wanted, as much as they desired. So it's interesting, if, if, if we would be there, how, how is the bread, where it's coming from? Like, we have little sandwich here, suddenly Jesus breaks, and more, and more, and it's, it's, it, it keeps coming keeps coming. I believe that this also tells us a little bit about what is going to happen later. Uh, Jesus said that the bread, uh, I am the bread of life. Remember that? I am the bread of life. If you will eat that bread, you will not, never go hungry. And then at the end, Jesus sends his disciples 
to teach, to baptize. And so the, this bread of life the, that is Jesus, these disciples are going to be spreading all over the world. And we continue the mission of the disciples of Jesus Christ by spreading the gospel. And this is the last prophecy that is going to be fulfilled, which is, which is the last prophecy before Jesus coming? That the gospel is going to reach the whole world. And you know, before internet, we were thinking, how is that possible? That somewhere in Muslim country where Christianity maybe doesn't have a, a way to, <clears throat> to preach or to, to talk about Jesus. How is it possible that somebody who is born in that country, how, how the message about Christ is going to reach that person? And now we know. Internet reaches so many homes, so many people, everywhere. And so Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were sitting, seated, seated. And it says in the scripture that he gave it to his disciples first, and then they gave the food to, to the others. Looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves, and then he gave them uh, to the disciples, and disciples gave that, them to the people. And they all ate and were satisfied. Here is something interesting that happens right after this. When they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, left over, and let nothing be wasted. Gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. That's interesting that Jesus is interested in leftovers. I mean, you, you don't have to write anything about this in the Bible. Just the miracle of, of feeding 5,000 plus people, that's enough, right? But this is so important. So Jesus is concerned about food concerned about leftovers. When they had enough, he said to his disciples, gather all the pieces that are left over. There is something in this story that more than just, just bread and fish. You know, when you receive God's blessing, God is blessing us so much, but is, is there anything that is left over for tomorrow? After tomorrow? Any blessings of God? left more because uh, Christ knew that they will be they will be hungry again tomorrow and so he doesn't want anything to be wasted are we do we usually have too much food or not enough too much food yes too much usually at the thanksgiving table we have too much food that is left over. But that's something that we need to remember, that when <coughs> next time we get hungry, remember that God is provides. God is going to provide leftovers. And Mark uh, 6, 13 says, so they gathered them and filled 12 baskets 
with the pieces of the five barley loaves. How many dis disciples we have? Twelve. So every disciple took, took a basket and, and gathered food. Nothing is to be wasted. Okay, this is interesting. How much food we waste as a nation? So if you take, third, uh, if you take all the food that we produce, you know, meat, vegetables, fruits, if you take all of that, uh, you know, um, when we do farming, because of the weather, because of the drought, because of so many things that happen to, to, to the farms, we lose 30 or 40% of the food, okay? Now, take it to manufacture. Like, for example, uh, we, we put food in small packages, like nuts, for example, right? So the manufacturer has to, has to take the food and produce whatever they want to produce. And uh, during that time, 10% of, of the food is wasted. Now, if you take all the food that comes to the grocery store, 30% of the food is going to be wasted at, at the grocery store. It's going to spoil. It's going to be on the shelf a little bit longer than it's supposed to be. And you know what, what else is disturbing a little bit? That, <clears throat> like oranges, if they have too, too many oranges, what do they do? They, they don't even pick it up. Or if, if they pick it up, they just, just dump it somewhere because they want the prices of oranges to go up. How much food we are wasting. It's unbelievable. One uh, number I, I, I never knew that if you take all the tons of trash on the field, uh, majority of trash is food. I thought it would be material things, but it is actually the majority of the trash uh, is, is actually food. We are a nation of plenty. We have so much, too much, more than enough. We take what is left we store in the fridge, and the next day, we have leftovers. We enjoy the leftovers within the next day or two. And when we go to a restaurant, a lot of people want to take food home, right? Nothing wrong with that. We package our, our leftovers to go because we're already thinking about being hungry later tomorrow. Jesus uh, feeds 5,000 people plus. And then he feeds 4,000 people. But disciples forgot about this. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. And Paul wrote, my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ. And we forget this so fast. When we receive the blessing, we forget this. 
What are God's leftovers? When God created this world, he didn't create for us, you know, something to use just one day. The leftovers are left for tomorrow and next day and next day. What is it that we have? Here is the text. The, heaven, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. We are so blessed because God created for us this beautiful planet to, to live, to enjoy. And uh, it's not only for today, but it's also for tomorrow. And then, of course, uh, you remember this uh, gen in Genesis chapter 1. The chapter ends that we, men and women, created in God's image. And even though <laughs> sin did a lot of damage to God's image, but I still believe we still are carrying God's image. We are children of God. We are sons and daughters of God. What does it mean, Im image of God in us? Anybody? What is the image of God? The character of God. It's, it's not the form. It's not the fingers. It's not the face. It's not the ears. But it's the character of God. We can love as God loves. We can forgive as God forgives. We can be merciful as God is merciful. But of course, we cannot do it by ourselves. We have to rely completely upon God. And that's, uh, that's hard. That's when, when, when we forget these blessings. Hebrew chapter 4 verse 9 says, there, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. What is still left over from the creation week? From those seven days of creation? Sabbath. Sabbath remains. And in, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 61 or 60, the last chapter, the last words of, the, of the Isaiah, it says that the people of God are going to be gathering from Sabbath to Sabbath. Right? In heaven. Sabbath is going to exist in heaven. And 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, Now these three, three remain faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of this is love. The prophecies are going to cease. They will, we will not need the prophets anymore because we are going to be with God himself. But faith we will always need with we, we will always need hope and love. And that's, that's because the image of God, we can have this. And for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. All of this is, is, a, is a blessing. Not just one day blessing, but it's, it's a blessing for tomorrow and after tomorrow. So God is, when he is blessing us, he never stops. God never stops blessing us. And a little uh, girl, uh, when her mom was putting her to bed, she was, she was afraid of the darkness and just, you know, to be in bed by herself. And, and, and then she asked, Mom, uh, what happens at night? Does God sleep? 
at night. And mom said, God never sleeps. So the little girl said, well, then one of us should sleep. <laughs> and she felt comfort, comfortable to close her eyes and not to be afraid because God doesn't sleep. He takes care of us. God's leftovers. You know, all of those stories, like you were mentioning today, when God is putting his hand on your life and, 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 and performs miracle, we need to remember, we need to write them down. When tough times will come, like uh, David was facing giant, sometimes we are facing our own giants in, in life. And when that will happen, we need to remember David, that God was with him. And then remember when you had circumstances where you relied upon God completely and God saved you or helped you or healed you. Those are leftovers from a, a meal that God is given us. And one more thing, when we get to heaven, we will be sitting at the table. It says there will be banquet. I don't know what we are going to be eating, but there will be no food wasted. Right? <laughs> and I'm looking forward to that moment. If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. Yeah, we can take this any day because we, we, need, we need to remember this. May God bless us as we look forward, forward to Christmas time and other times when we get together with families. And do not forget to thank the one who made it all possible for us, our creator, who created this world in such a beautiful way and gave us his own image. Amen. Amen. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for so many blessings, for the meals that you are providing for us so that we can always rely upon you and, and be thankful. Help us to be thankful, not to forget what you're doing for us every day. And uh, um, we're looking forward to your coming, to your soon coming. Bless us all, our families, we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. And Jesus prayed, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's another blessing that we're counting.